Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kimley. And today we have the book William S. Burroughs and the Cult of Rock and Row by Casey Ray, spelled R A E. <laughs> we're hoping we're pronouncing his name correctly. That would be my best guess. So two out of two says it's Ray. <laughs> if we get a thumbs down on Facebook, we'll know we made a mistake. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just keep on pretending we didn't make the mistake. <laughs> I'll go back and edit it. <laughs> <laughs> William Burroughs, rock star. Yes. Did you know that? Doesn't everyone know that? Of course he's a rock star. He's the <laughs> ultimate rock star. And I love that the word cult is in the title. It's so appropriate. Yes. What does that mean, like the cult of rock and roll? I was wondering about that just now as you mentioned it. Why isn't William S. Burroughs and rock and roll? The cult of rock and roll. I think I know. Okay. Top of my head, of course. Uh, of course. I think the people who appreciate William Burroughs' work, the musicians, mm-hmm. buy in not only his literature, but the whole image of William Burroughs. Yeah. And William Burroughs' image, if people don't out there don't know, because maybe our listeners do not know who William Burroughs is. Mm. Is that possible? Uh, well, okay, welcome we, to the cult. Okay, well, I'm going to list the books that he wrote. Okay. Uh, not complete biography, but it's, you know, the, the, the hits. The, the hits, yes, the greatest uh, hits. Junkie. Mm-hmm. Queer. Mm-hmm. See where we're going with this? <laughs> you can see already where this fits in with the rock and roll cult. <laughs> Naked Lunch. It sounds like an exploitation movie or something. Yeah, that's, that's a great title. It is a great title. Um, and from Naked Lunch, two terms that sort of rock and roll came from Naked Lunch. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is? Steely Dan. Steely Dan. And? Um, is um, Soft Machine from that? Uh, don't jump to the future. No, here. that's from... Uh... Heavy Metal. Oh, right, right, right. Heavy Metal, There's yes. like a Heavy Metal kid Yes, character. yes, yes. Okay, then the ticket that exploded... The Soft Machine, <laughs> which the Kevin Ayers, Robert Wyatt band yes. named themselves after the book. Uh, Nova Express, and The Wild Boys. Yes. Duran Duran did a record called The Wild Boys. Yeah, I know. It's amazing how many... The thing that actually astounded me the most as I was reading the book that I never really thought of before is um, how many genres of music have been influenced by him. I mean, it's like the hippies, the folkies, the rock and rollers, the heavy metal dudes, the punk rockers. The drug-induced 60s rockers. The grunge people. uh, You know, it's just like classical Philip Glass. I was like... Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, you know, experimental, Laurie Anderson. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just... um, It's kind of amazing how diverse... A crowd of people that have been influenced by him. Taylor Swift. And he doesn't give a fuck about any of them. And Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Uh, Justin Bieber. Oh, God. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but maybe it's true. You never know. Who knows what's on Justin Bieber's bookshelf? <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, William Burroughs is iconic. Yes. And he's iconic... Image. I'm talking about images because I think rock and roll deals with images a lot. Yeah, we'll yeah, this, yeah. We'll I think he gets, yeah, he gets into that. In the so book. Burroughs is the ultimate, for many people, the ultimate outlaw writer. Mm-hmm. He, um, homosexual, mm-hmm. gay writer. He, um, 
one of the first, not one of the first, not the first writer by any means, but in the 20th century, first writer to really talk about addiction and drug yeah. taking, and not in a way that's in this in this point of view like a negative thing. There's negativity involved, but it's not like don't do drugs. Right, or, right, yeah. There's, there's definitely there's not a moral. There's yeah, not a moral there was aspect. never any morality to his. He was never making any moral judgments about it, but he certainly also didn't want to romanticize it. No, he I think really... he just wanted to show what it was for what it was, you know, the ups and downs and right. good, the bad, and, but he also, and the ugly. Interesting that he infused his literature and his style to like science fiction. If I think of his work, yeah, I mean, in most cases you go to the bookstore, you're gonna find him in the fiction section. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking 100. percent Yeah, but it wouldn't be out of place that you find his work in the science fiction section yeah. either. Yeah. So the sense of science fiction has always had a strong music connotation to me. Mm-hmm. And Burroughs is sort of like the the sort of gateway to like another world for, I think, for a lot of musicians. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the book talks a lot about, you know, how Burroughs was interested in the occult and magic with a K, and that that was one of the big connections for a lot of musicians like Jimmy Page. Right. That was interesting. I didn't know that Burroughs tried to buy... Um, uh, what's his name? Alistair, Alistair Crowley. Crowley's house, and then Jimmy Page actually bought it. Yes, you and then it burned down. You can't, you can't outbid Jimmy <laughs> oh, Page. Oh no, man! <laughs> if Jimmy Page wants it, he gets what he wants. <laughs> well, that was kind of an interesting little uh, side but story. I think, but you know, also Burroughs was placed as one of those guys who was never in one place. I mean, he his his, you know, he he. He's American, born in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Nice Midwestern boy. A nice, very uh, sort of a semi-wealthy. I mean, he's not super wealthy, but he's from a, a, yeah. a, a family of, of yeah, some Yeah, it sounded like when he was young, his parents kind of supported him for a very long time, like uh, well into his 30s and 40s. Yeah, they actually gave him uh, yeah, allowance. Yeah, stipend, to, yeah. <laughs> to, to his, like, his 50s. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so he's like a rock and roll brat kid in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> um, he had... Hideous uh, uh, um, uh, tragedy in life. He shot his wife, Joan, yeah, in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, yet, hardcore gun addict. I know. Till the day he died. Yeah. Which I always found it kind of strange, but that's another story. Um, but he's also was a person who was in interesting places in, in a, at a specific time. Yeah. Like him and being in Morocco. Yeah. And certainly in the... In the gateway of the 50s and the 60s of like sort of like Tennessee Williams and Paul Bowles and all the other beat writers and the writers from the 30s and 40s would hang out there. Yeah, he had a nose for where the interesting things were going on in the world, you know, being in London in the 60s and And you should tell your uh, story about... Well, I will. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But the 60s London is interesting because I think that is really the route to a lot of the musicians' interest in Burroughs at that time. Yeah. Well, the book gets into how uh, Genesis P. Orridge um, from Throbbing Gristle Mm -hmm. befriended him at that point. And uh, he was very instrumental in getting him known and setting up, uh, I think, like conferences and stuff, wasn't he? He organized... Okay, this is interesting. To me, there's two categories of of music artists Uh who really look up to William Burroughs and definitely drop his name in the media. Mm -hmm. One is people... The ones who are affected by his work, like Burroughs writing directly and his experimental writing, I think is David Bowie for sure. Yeah. Because Bowie used his cut-up writing technique, uh, which, in, in case the uh, listeners don't know, the cut-up technique by Burroughs, it's like it's not something he invented, really. I always thought it was actually Brian Geisen who invented it. I think it is, but even before that, but I think, Burroughs sort of made it 
I famous. Think, I think Tristan Cesara, who was like a Dada, yeah. this was like the first sort of person who took like words out of a hat right and combine the words to see what really happened. yeah it's really it's all about using right. chance so chance. using chance as your right element to inspire yourself um and so byron so he worked with byron jason and he worked with the uh a gentleman by the ian somerville mm-hmm. uh all in the london this is like pretty much in london and paris but they're all were in london at the same time and um, they also invented or built this thing called a dream machine, which is a phonograph-driven um, stroboscope. It's like a Sindler yeah. with holes and placed on a turntable. It's like a music-related. Yeah. It's on a turntable, played at 45 RPM or 78 RPM, and there's like a light bulb in, inside right. the Sindler. So you, you basically sit down and look at this Sindler with the holes and the lighting coming through. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing you know light on and off, on and off, like a flickering effect. Right. Goes back to Tony Conrad. Oh, nice. The flicker Nice film. connection, yeah. There's always a connection. <laughs> so I think people like, so in my mind, I think of uh, Bowie, I definitely, you know, um, um, Throbbing Gristle, which is Genesis, which Genesis and yeah. uh, Peter Christopher, Sir Christopher's son, um, who did, uh, besides being Throbbing Gristle, he also uh, did... Um, uh, a lot of the famous uh, uh, graphic album covers of the '70s, mm. like for Pink Floyd and people like that, and oh. 10CC and and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. he was part of a, a, a graph art graphic group oh, that was I didn't very know prominent. That. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, probably the real working person. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> day job. So there's like Bowie, and then definitely in Genesis, then Peter from Throbbing Gristle, who definitely used his technique. Mm-hmm. Argumentally, I think maybe like Bob Dylan in the mid 60s. Well, he talked about uh, finding the technique interesting, but that it, it was trouble to use because he couldn't get a rhyming scheme. Right. So. I, I think Dylan admired Burroughs, but I don't think Dylan really needed any extra devices to No, but he, I, <laughs> he's but got I, so many words. <laughs> but I think he, you know, he thought about it. I yeah, think, yeah, no, so. I'm sure he was fascinated by the technique. It just I don't think he found it conducive. And then, and then maybe like Frank Zappa has tried to mm. try to do the cut at right. least the music in a sense. Right, right. He was a big fan for sure. Cuz Burroughs, okay, Burroughs besides writing books, Burroughs uh made sound pieces. Mm-hmm. Using the cut-up technique, have, right? Have and they them? talk about no, I haven't heard them. Are they available online? We're gonna have it on our, pl- our oh, our good, podcast. yeah, because they did talk about in the book. He talks about how Paul McCartney was actually super influenced by the. He heard those. We have, we have to give okay. This is, we have to give Paul some credit here as being sort of yeah. I know, I know. Guy. It's sort of recently come to light for me and certain things I've been watching and reading that he was actually the one who stayed in London and he was very involved in the art scene in London in the mid '60s when the other guys had all gotten country homes and were kind of you know burned mm-hmm. out from the fans and everything whereas Paul was staying in town and he was the one who went to the bookstore where you know Yoko had her show and uh, not only that but he actually helped build that bookstore yeah it, it was owned by yeah. uh, John Dunbar who I know uh, Peter Asher Peter and Gordon fame right, and right. who's the brother of Jane Asher yes who was his previous Paul's who, who, previous girlfriend famous girlfriend and, yes. and an actress and um and I believe Paul probably put up some money for the bookstore, but he actually helped build the bookshelves. With his very own hands? With his very own hands. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's a good thing he didn't damage those hands. So if you're there at 65, 66, you see a very famous, probably at the time, the most famous person face, Paul McCartney, working with a saw and putting wow. the bookcases together. That's dedicated. For this underground bookstore. Basically, yeah. it's a really underground bookstore. Yeah. It's not a mainstream bookstore at right. all. 
yeah. It would yeah. be like sort of like um, it'd be like if you go to the Beyond Broke bookstore now, you know, like mm. this sort of like zines and poetry yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I know, you know, everybody always thinks of John as being the arty one, but Paul was pretty arty. He was. <laughs> Paul was right. And Paul, so Paul actually gave in Somerville for, for Burl's use of the of a, a four-track tape machine uh-huh. or, or, or reel-to-reel tape machine. Uh-huh. So, and I think this told him, this, you know, it's yours, use it what you, what you may, what you, how you want to use it. And um, so Burroughs staying very close to his material, like his writing. He did these, you know, these cut-ups. And, and listen, we'll have a chance to listen to this, some of the pieces later. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in, our, in, our, um, in our playlist. That playlist. We yeah. Um, it's very much music concrete, but words in a way. You know, mm. it's, like this, it's like words either looped or with echo. I mean, there's all these effects on it that they yeah. sort of did. Yeah. And Ian, Ian Somerville was a sort of a mysterious figure to me. There's not that many photographs of him, but he um, he was a he was basically a, a, a early computer programmer or electronics person. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and then he hooked up with Burroughs romantically as well, just helping uh-huh. him uh-huh. do that sort of you know the electronic stuff. Yeah. And then Byron Jason, who's famous, it was a writer uh-huh. as well as a painter, uh-huh. and who inspired, I think the the cut-up process to Burroughs. Yeah, yeah, I love his work, his artwork. Yeah, which I sort of a Moroccan, sort of an African. It does, yeah, 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 it does. So all this combined, I think, was such a a important, like, sort of foundation of um, not only for them to do work, Mm -hmm. but I think the musicians at that time, the 60s, sort of picked up on the experimental aspect. Right. Which is so much part of the '60s, especially in London at that time. Well, everybody where was pushing boundaries, pushing then, boundaries, yeah. yeah, and trying to get out of the norm, you know, beyond and, the three-chord pop song. And I, and also, I think that at the time, um, so it's interesting. Okay, so the the first wave of musicians like Paul McCartney, Zappa, and those people mm-hmm. um, got into him, and then Bowie got into him heavily. And I think Bowie, of all the musicians out there. Besides Throbbing Gristle, mm-hmm. who do more sonic music stuff, Bowie image, I think, depend a lot on the Burl's motif in a way. Mm-hmm. When I think of when I think of Bowie and the man who fell to earth, the way he looked with the suit and the sort of the, mm-hmm. the, the button-up shirt, mm-hmm. it sort of reminds me of a William Burl's mm-hmm. from the '60s look in a way. Mm-hmm. Sort of this sort of conservative, right. that really weird, right. alien aspect right. of it, and. But, I love and, those David. It's like David Lynch, you know, those yeah. Western people who look normal when you first glance at them. Be careful. They're so weird. They're so weird. <laughs> no offense to anybody listening to us in the Midwest. No, we we love we, we love, love those Midwestern we weirdos. Love Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> the weirder, the better. Especially St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. <laughs> A call out to St. Louis. Okay. <laughs> but um, but um, but Bowie, like the Diamond Dogs, is almost a album or a oral aspect like an oral William Burroughs piece to me right I mean it's the imagery that Bowie used uh-huh. and that to me is a really clear influence of this through like Burroughs writings yeah okay then the other side is people who are inspired by him just because of the image thing yeah you know like Joe Strummer of Clash mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know went there to see him in New York right, in the 70s right. And I don't hear any really William Burroughs touches in the Clash. I mean, no, 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 no. And Patti Smith was another one. I'm not sure if Patti Smith would be. That's argumentative if she's actually been influenced by Burroughs in her work. I'm not. I don't feel it, but 
Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the interesting thing about Patti Smith is I think she's one of the few people he actually genuinely respected because he knew her before she was a rock star. He knew her as a poet initially. And, you know, I think most of these other people, you know, for the most part, I think he was friendly towards them. He would be glad to have a conversation with them. He would think some of them were actually intelligent. But, like, I don't think he was even familiar with, you know, he didn't listen to their music. He didn't care. It was just... That I was can't not see, his. I, I can't see him at Tower Records shopping. No, I know. It was just. Uh, it was not his area at all. <laughs> I can't see him going. Where is the rock and roll section? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like I really need that Nirvana album. <laughs> yeah, I gotta have it. <laughs> Kurt Cobain, you know, yeah. Studio Nirvana went to him, and and I think I actually made a record with him, which I never actually heard. Yeah, I haven't heard it. I didn't either. have time. I have a chance to hear yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't but, heard it either. But um, but it says in the book that Burroughs actually quite liked liked him, yeah. Kurt Cobain. So, I think it's a Midwestern thing. Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe a junky thing. <laughs> <laughs> other junkies like other junkies. <laughs> but then, but then the other person. Uh, did you read the interview? You sent me the interview, and I have read it originally when right, it came out with Stone, David Bowie, and I read yeah. that recently. But also, there's a long interview with Jimmy Page. Did you read that? No, no. It's quite, it was in a magazine called Crawl Daddy. Oh, okay. Is that online? It is online. Oh, okay. You know, we'll put the link in for people. To yeah, I know. There were some other the 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 footnotes to the book are actually quite extensive, and he does have links to a lot of the interviews that he references. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't have time to get to all of them. I think there's supposed to be a good one with Thurston Moore too. Ah, uh, uh-huh. Um, because he did quote from that a lot. And I'm pretty sure he gave the link to it in the book. And actually, Burroughs worked with musicians. He had this thing called the Nova Express. I think in New York and London, these live events. Yeah. Where basically it's Burroughs giving a reading. But yeah. as a support, it becomes like a festival, like a one-day... Yeah, they had one in New York that they talked about that Thurston Moore went to when he was like 19 years old. And it said, it said all these people that were there, and I was just kind of laughing because I was saying, God, it was like everybody cool in New York was at this festival. It was probably like the thing, you know, when the Sex Pistols played in Manchester yes. and they all started a band. It was like everybody that went to this Burroughs conference all started a band, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, think, I mean, I think people like David Johansson did something of the uh-huh. York Dolls and uh-huh. made Chris Stein a blondie or yeah. Debbie Harry. Yeah. So a lot of that New York punk rock people yeah. are there. Yeah, yeah. So again, this from the 60s goes into the 70s, you know, it keeps going. Right. And then, you know, Duran Duran did the Wild Boys, which right. is definitely... Um, but then again, it's like Burroughs was in the right place at the right time. It was yeah. like he was in London in the 60s. He was in, you know, Lower East Side, New York yeah. in the 70s when all the punk stuff was going on in his bunker. I love yeah. how they kept calling it the bunker. They had no windows. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. God. <laughs> very focused uh, no window. i think it was like a ymca yeah yeah some rundown ymca yeah. yeah in the bowery but um the book is interesting by case by casey ray mm-hmm. um a lot of the stuff is i know the stories already this yeah i didn't feel like there was a whole lot of new material here it was but it was just sort of bringing all of the focus of the various musicians that yeah. he knew and so, so it's a good book. It's a good book. This for introduction, I think, for for people who don't know Burroughs' work in general, right. and if and probably definitely more geared for the music fan. This yeah, book, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's for the it's for introduction for rock and roll people to understand um, Burroughs more. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you and I have been Burroughs fans forever, so it's kind of seems strange to us that there are people who haven't read him but yeah i mean young people there's plenty of young people i'm sure who haven't so it is a good introduction for them um there was a really nice quote that uh from tav falco 
Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I like to read because I thought he really he really got what it was that musicians liked about Pharaohs. Oh, okay. I don't know. Do you, you don't remember? It's a, it's a little bit long. I'll, that's why I'm going to try to read it kind of fast. But okay. so Tab said. Any underground musician alive knows the writings of Burroughs and has fallen under overarching effluvia that spewed from the unruly, unhinged, unsavory, incurable, uncalculated, unapologetic, uncompromising, unstable, unconscious, unbridled, unmerciful, nonlinear, incongruous dagger called a pen. They have subliminally absorbed his habits of heightened sensory perception within their own lives as a built-in. For them, Burroughs is a byword for the uncanny, the queer, the unholy, the unexpurgated, the epitome of art damage. (laughs) Can you read that again? (laughs) Encore. I had to catch my breath a couple times. (laughs) Well, he's, I think he's right. I think he's right about that. I think people in the music who are musicians want to have something special in their life, something extra in their lives. And people like Burlesker gives permission to explore another world of sorts. Yeah, well, and I think um, he gives permission to explore uh, that realm of being damaged. You know, it talks a lot about that, how Mm -hmm. a lot of musicians were attracted to him because, you know, Burroughs had a damaged childhood, you know, obviously being queer. He didn't relate to people. He got in trouble in private school or whatever, I think. Mm And, um, you know, he had lots of issues with his family. And and so, you know, a lot of musicians, that's a common trope, you know. It's just like, uh, you know, I don't fit in with the world. I'm a misfit going to be a rock star you know and then everyone will love me it's all about you know i'm going to do this thing so people will love me and and burroughs sort of talks about that too you know and i think that's a big part of his interest in the occult and the magic Mm. you know and you know what what kind of tools can i use to manipulate people into loving me you know well he talks about that a lot i mean yeah control about control and how words are used to control yeah and um it's interesting because Burroughs is not really into love or to be appreciated in that sense, I don't mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. So there's a cool, he's a very cool character. Yeah. Especially in, 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 a, uh, in, a, in the public sense of what we think is right. cool. Um, I only read emotional stuff. I don't read anything emotional in his writing except his private letters, his correspondence, which mm-hmm. has been published over the years, mm-hmm. where he shows a great deal of emotion you know, about people and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he loves cats. I know. <laughs> Did you watch that documentary? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. But I've read, you know, I've read things and I've seen pictures. I've seen pictures of the cats. He's I know. It's such. It's so funny to see. He's like this doddering old man surrounded by cats. That's... He's like a crazy old cat man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I think so. I think the book the book conveys the importance of the image of the rock and roll person as well as as appreciation of an older. Person from another generation or another place, yeah, and sort of like an inspiration for that for that artist, yeah. Um, and again, the only person that strikes me that I would recommend that's that's totally a side product of Burroughs' work it would be like Bowie, like Diamond, Diamond yeah. Dog, or Station to Station, period, especially, yeah. Um, and that to me, um, I find interesting, yeah. I was curious about, I didn't know that um, Burroughs and Allen Ginsberg had went to see um, the French writer Céline mm-hmm. when they were young. Uh-huh. And um, well, I thought it was interesting for multiple reasons. One, Ginsberg being Jewish and Céline uh-huh. being an infamous right. anti-Semite. But um, I, I, Céline is sort of like, 
in the same vein, you know, he's a renegade writer writing about topics that, you know, are not normally written about. And it kind of made me wonder if uh, in France, if all the rock stars in France sort of emulate Celine. I don't think so. I think, I think actually by Burles. I mean, yeah, this is an interesting point. In, yeah. I think Burles and Allen Ginsberg and the other beats looked up to Celine the way, same way that, say, like Throbbing Gristle or Bowie looked up to Burles. I think Celine's a writer that really changed things for them. Yeah, well, I mean, I know that Celine was huge with the beats. Right. Yeah, but I was just curious if in France, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't think Celine's very well known in the English-speaking world, or at least not in America, mm-hmm. but um, I'm assuming he's pretty well known in France. Yes. And I would, I'm just wondering if he has sort of like a cult of rock and roll. I would think that the, the rockers in France might... I don't know. It's a good question. I know. I was just kind of curious. Because <laughs> culturally, it's sort of placed in a different spot because Celine's history in the war and, uh, yeah. Yeah, and stuff like that. But I think he's still respected and taught in school. I mean, I read Celine uh, in school. Oh, yeah? Yeah, when I was a French major. So, oh. I mean, he's he's taught in school. Oh. Well, he's a great writer. Yeah, he is a great writer. It's unfortunate that he's an asshole. <laughs> You know, it's all rock. <laughs> what are you going to say? Was, what <laughs> are you going to do? It's all rock and roll. <laughs> but the, but the, but uh, the Casey Ray book, I think, is a good book. Yeah, I think it's a good introduction, basic introduction to the world of Burroughs and the connection with he has with the music world. And yeah, stuff. definitely, definitely. And I would recommend that you that the listeners do check out. Oh, the film the film that he made with Anthony Batch. Have you seen those? No. He had a movie called Towers Open Fire and made like two other films. And it's basically a film version of the cut ups. And I think Ian Somerville is in it as well. Oh, made at the same time. Uh-huh. And they're sort of similar to me to the um sort of reminds me a lot of like the situationists and letterist film people, uh-huh. like Guy Debord when he made his movie. It reminds uh-huh. me of that. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, um, it, it definitely has like a surrealist quality too. Yeah. But it's it's really I the, the films are really good. I think they're they're, they're really underrated. I think. Mm. Are they, they are they available like on YouTube? You can get it on YouTube. Oh okay. Yeah, and they're, it's really good work. I oh, think good. it's really we'll interesting. We'll check those out and put those links on our Facebook page too for yes. other people. Oh, I, that'll be fun. Should I, is it time for me to tell my William Burroughs? Oh yeah 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 yes yes yes. <laughs> It seems like every episode you have a, a tale to tell of how you met the uh, the person that's under only, discussion. That's the only reason why I do this show. <laughs> when I was a child, <laughs> I went to London, first time out of the country, for the whole family, uh, with my dad and mom, and my father we mentioned before as Wallace Berman, an artist. And um, we went to a reading that... Alan Ginsberg did at the, I think at the Roundhouse in uh, in London. And the Roundhouse is sort of a part of North North London, I believe. Anyway, it was um, after the event, um, we, you know, we were talking and stuff and we ended up on the street. Nobody was out on the street. It was like totally like everybody's gone. Mm-hmm. And it, it was quiet. And my dad saw a cab and he held the cab for us. So as we got into the cab, my dad noticed a guy across the street 
who was trying to hold the cab too, but we got it first, you mm, know. Mm-hmm. And my dad sort of felt bad because it's like no, no cars, nothing yeah, around. Dead. And the guy was wearing like sort of like a three-piece suit and like a derby. <laughs> this is in the sixties, yeah. swinging London, swinging London, <laughs> an older gentleman. Uh-huh. So my father said, "Well, won't you let's share a ride? You know, let's share the cab to the guy." Says, uh-huh. "Come over across the street." So he did. So your father didn't recognize him. No, they don't know. They never met or anything uh-huh. beforehand. Uh-huh. The, 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 so anyway, so what? So what happened? So they got in the cab. And, you know, the London taxi cab at that time had that sort of fold-up yeah. seat. So yeah, fold- I think they still do. They still did. Yeah. So he took the fold-up seat, sat down. We sat on the sort of the regular backstage. Uh-huh. And uh, and my dad introduced him on Wallace, and he said, well, I'm William Burroughs. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then my dad gave the address where he's going, and it was at Robert Frazier's house where we're staying at. Robert right, Frazier the was the, the big art dealer. And... Um, and when when my dad gave the address, uh, Bill Burroughs says, "Oh, I know, I know where you're going. I know that I've been that place many times. Uh-huh. Went to parties there and stuff." Uh-huh. So they talked and chatted. And the funny thing is, my dad is one of the first people to publish an excerpt of Make It Lunch in uh, his journal Semina, which he did in the uh, uh, uh. late fifties and early sixties. So in the late fifties, he actually did a little excerpt from Make It Lunch, uh-huh. even before it was published in France. Yeah, I oh, believe wow. so. This is probably argumentative because, like, art right. history and stuff is right. always, you know, never yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah, Never, you know, it's all it apocryphal. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and and then there was no discussion about this between my dad and Burroughs at all. Yeah. It was just sort of like, it was it. Uh-huh. And then a week later, um, there was a party for my dad. Uh-huh. And the party was, was a sort of big house. It used to be like the Chinese embassy one time in London. Oh, wow. And uh, there's a person who lived, I can't remember her name right now, Pam O'Brady, Brady, Grady, Pam O'Grady, who was a friend of a lot of like American poets, mm-hmm. like Charles Olson and John Wieners, and she mm-hmm. lived in London. Mm-hmm. I think a wealthy woman at the time. Mm-hmm. And she had a party for my dad, and Allen Ginsberg was there, as mm-hmm. well as William Burroughs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we partied with William Burroughs and Allen Ginsberg. Nice. <laughs> including this guy named Michael X. And Michael X was... A militant from the Caribbean country island, uh-huh. black, and he was arrested for murdering a police officer. I think. Oh. Anyway, he got arrested that morning. So I remember reading the, the headline- morning of the party. Yeah, I remember looking at the the headlines saying uh-huh. Michael X arrested, uh-huh. and I thought, wow, this is interesting. I don't know who this guy is. Right. How but, old are you? You're like twelve. Twelve. Yeah. But anyway, he showed up at the party. <laughs> oh wow! That evening, he made bail. <laughs> he made bail, and I was very very impressed. <laughs> Wow. So that's my London story. That's a good story. <laughs> Ending with a murderer. <laughs> was he acquitted or was he found guilty? I think he was hung. <gasps> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glad he had a good party before he, <laughs> yeah. before he went out. <laughs> so yes, William S. Burroughs and the Cult of Rock and Roll right. by Casey Ray. We, we both find it an interesting book. Yes. Lonesome um, Cowboy Bill. You know, I didn't... Um, that, from, from the Velvet Underground. Is that actually about... Bill uh, it said that it was in the book. In the book, okay. Yeah, it makes kind of sense, yeah. though. I, I wouldn't be surprised. So again, for me, it's a good introduction. If you don't know Burroughs' work, I think it's perfectly good you get this book. And Although it'd probably be better if you just went and got Naked Lunch or Junkie right. and Queer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then read the book. And then read the book. But then it is, it is, it is a good, on a, it is focused on the subject matter of rock and roll and William Burroughs. Yeah, and yeah, and it's a lot of fun just reading about yeah. Burroughs hanging out with all these people that 
we all love. We all love. And admire. And admire. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, so our next episode, um, we are going to be discussing It Gets Me Home, This Curving Track by Ian Penman. And there is no doubt in my mind that there is going to be some articles in this book of people you have a story where you've met them. Good question. <laughs> well, so I, something to look forward to. I'm, I read the book already, and yeah. I'm crazy about the book. I think it's a fantastic book. So yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward, forward to, to I'm looking it. forward to talking about Excellent. it. Excellent. All right. And you can find uh, all the information you need to know about our podcast on our website, bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com, and we're on Instagram, and we have playlists on Spotify and Apple Music for every episode, so we and, look and this, forward and to And this playlist is going to be really good. Yes, yes. It's going to be really interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely check it out. Check it out. <laughs> Until next time. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.